0: Welcome to 3 and 30, a podcast for moms who want to create more meaning in motherhood. Each 30 minute episode will feature three doable takeaways for you to try at home with your family this week. I'm your host, Rachel Nielsen. Thank you so much for being here. Happy Monday, my friends, and happy third birthday to 3 and 30. I have to admit that that cute singing is from two years ago when Sally sang to the podcast for its first birthday. And it kind of breaks my heart to hear her voice from then and compare it to now because she has grown up so much in the past few years and she's not my little toddler anymore. But you know what? I've grown up a lot too. And there's something amazing about celebrating that and honoring it. When I hit publish on the first episode of 3 and 30 three years ago, I never, not in a million years, could have imagined where we would be today. I couldn't have imagined the people I would meet through this podcast, both the guests I've interviewed and the listeners I've interacted with, the ways I would develop more emotional resilience as a result of doing this hard work and making mistakes and getting discouraged and continuing to press forward, or the joy that would fill my life as I've been able to teach through this medium and learn and grow so much within my own motherhood and within my personhood. 3 30 is about so much more than being a great mom. It's about being a deeper, more whole, more developed human, and it has definitely done that for me. I hope that it's done the same for you as well, and I cannot thank you enough for being on this journey with me and supporting the podcast over the past three years. In today's episode, I'm going to talk about three of the major threads that I have seen show up again and again through the 150 episodes I've recorded over the past three years. Three themes that have sort of emerged and become what I like to call pillars of meaningful motherhood. I hope that as we reflect on these pillars together, you'll be able to see how you could apply them to your life in unique situations as a mother, and I hope that they'll be a blessing to you. Before we jump into this, I want to remind you that as part of the birthday celebration of the podcast this month, I'm hosting a My 3 and 30 campaign where I am inviting you to share your own three unique takeaways on social media and within your circle of friends. And when you share, you'll be entered in some amazing giveaways. Last week, one lucky winner won $150 to celebrate the 150th episode of the show. And each week for the rest of the month, I'll be selecting one of you to receive a care package from me of some of my favorite things. All you have to do is share your three takeaways, and if you want all the specifics on how to participate, you can go to threeand30podcast.com forward slash birthday. I also want to offer my deep gratitude for this month's podcast sponsor, Infancy. Friends, I love this nonprofit program from Optometry Cares, the AOA Foundation. I love that they believe in the work of 3 and 30 enough and the mothers in this community enough and the babies of the mothers in this community enough to continue investing in supporting this show simply as a way to spread awareness about the importance of infant eye care so that children can have a better quality of life. Babies can't articulate if something seems a bit off with their vision, which is why the infancy program is dedicated not only to educating parents on the importance of infant eye care, but also making that a financial possibility for all families, regardless of income or insurance coverage. Through the Infancy Program, 20,000 participating optometrists volunteer their time to provide a free infant eye assessment for babies between the ages of 6 and 12 months old. There's no catch here. The eye assessment is truly free thanks to this nonprofit program. All you have to do is go to infancy.org and enter your zip code to find a participating provider in your area, and then call and tell them that you'd like to schedule an infancy appointment for your baby. I hope you'll take advantage of this incredible opportunity, and I hope that you'll also tell all of the moms of babies in your life about this nonprofit program. If you're part of any mom groups or mom Facebook groups, please spread the words about this. Many, many thanks to Infancy for sponsoring our birthday celebration, and now, on to the show. As I mentioned, today I want to talk to you about the three pillars of meaningful motherhood that I've learned from three years and 150 episodes of 3 and 30. And I want to start off by defining what do I mean by meaningful motherhood. To me, in order for motherhood to feel meaningful, you have to have a sense that what you're doing matters, that you're making a big difference, and that you're doing it well, or at least consistently getting better at it. I also think it has to fulfill you and be fun for you on some level in order for it to feel meaningful. Every week in the intro of this podcast, I say this is a podcast for moms who want to create more meaning in their motherhood. And I thought long and hard about that verb create before I included it as part of the tagline. I played with other verbs like find more meaning in motherhood or uncover the meaning in motherhood. But ultimately, I decided to go with create more meaning in motherhood because it really is such a proactive choice. To not just sit back and let motherhood happen to you, but to actually choose to create the meaning that you want it to have. As I've done 150 episodes, I've noticed themes that I've learned from all of my guests that I have then practiced in my own motherhood, and they really have made my motherhood feel more meaningful. And I'd like to focus on three of those themes today. The first pillar of meaningful motherhood that I want to talk about is simply this. Talk to your kids. Talk to them often and about everything. If you've been listening to 3 and 30 for a while, you may have noticed this theme emerging as well. It seems like whenever I have an expert on to teach us about something that might be considered a a bit of a heavier topic, this is one of their takeaways. Amy Webb told us that we need to talk to our kids about disability so that when they encounter it in the world, it won't be shocking to them. Um, Kristen Hodson, when she taught us how to teach our kids about sex, she said that we should not think of it as the talk. But instead, think about having a thousand one minute conversations with them about topics relating to sexual health over the course of their lifetimes. Um, we had an episode about pornography where she talked about the importance of us telling our kids about it and what it is and where they might encounter it. Our episode about friendship... We talked about having proactive conversations with our kids about what makes a good friend and what doesn't. Um, In the episode about how to help your kids who are picky eaters, Holly Young talked about how we can talk to them about the benefits of the different foods and what they do for our bodies and how that can help inform their decisions around food. I mean, this has come up over and over and over again. Just talk to them about stuff that matters. In Marilyn Faulkner's episode, I think it was episode, I can't remember the number right now, but I'll put it in my show notes, about how to raise confident children, she shared the story about how her mom talked to her about adult things that actually mattered. And Marilyn's takeaway was, talk to your children like the intelligent adults that you hope they will become. And she shared the story about how her mom asked her a question about Jesus Um, and, and honestly wanted Marilyn's thoughts on it when Marilyn was about 10 years old and how it built Marilyn's confidence to know that her mom valued her input and her opinion and wanted to have a conversation with her. I have found that when I have real meaningful conversations with my kids about the stuff that matters in the world, I feel like my role is much more meaningful. It takes on a new level of meaning than just shuttering them, shuttling them to their different activities, um, or talking to them about their homework or getting their assignments done. When I feel like, wow, I'm I really had a great conversation with them about advocacy or about um, race and racism, which is another topic that we've covered on the podcast where they said how important it is that we don't act colorblind, that we actually talk to our kids about it. And I know that when I have those conversations, I feel a greater sense of the meaning in my motherhood. So if there is something in your motherhood that you have been wondering, how am I going to talk to my kids about that? Or you feel kind of nervous around that topic, just sit down and start a discussion with them about it. And I kind of have a template that I follow when talking to my kids about any topic that might be heavy or hard or difficult. And I just say, start by defining for them what it is, then explaining some context about where they might see it or hear about it in the world, and then teaching your values around that topic, always including an emphasis on love. So like it might be pornography. So you have to define for them what that is and then explain some context about where they might encounter it, um, what some people think about it, what you think about it, then teach your values around it, and then always, always couching with love that... You know, I'm here for you if you ever want to talk more about this and, and mean it. And the more that you have these conversations with your kids, the more they will recognize that they can ask you about anything and that you mean it when you say you can come to me with anything. I've had parents ask me about how to talk to their kids about homosexuality and I think it's the same thing. Talk, define it for them, explain some context about where they might see it, encounter it or hear about it, teach your values around that topic and, and always, always including an emphasis on love. You'll find that as you have these conversations, they get much easier to have. Another thing that I've noticed from our guests is is that many of them talk about using children's books as a great way to lead into these conversations. So if there's something that you've been wanting to teach your kids about or something that you see that they've been struggling with a little bit, maybe look to see if there's some great children's books on the topic that might open the doorway for you to have more conversations. I had an experience with this recently that just felt so meaningful to me. We were on a family hike and, And I was slow as I usually am. I'm the sloth in the family. And so I was back a little and Sally started hanging back to keep me company. And we were holding hands and she asked me, mommy, how? tell me again how I was born because Sally was conceived with IVF. And she knows that, but she's just trying to get some context for that. And I've explained that to her before, but She wanted to know more about it. So I explained a little bit about IVF to her, which then led to questions about sex and how babies are made. And we've had these little conversations over time, over the years, and I was just able to answer her questions as we walked along and she felt comfortable and it wasn't weird or awkward at all. And at the end of that hike, I just felt so grateful that I had had that meaningful conversation with my six-year-old. I felt like, okay, I'm not a perfect mom, but I'm I'm doing a few things right that I'm able to at least have conversations about stuff that matters with my kids. So that is a theme that I have seen run through so many of the episodes that we've had on the show and that I hope that you can take into your life. Takeaway number two actually builds really well on takeaway number one, and that is to remember that everything gets easier with practice. Everything. Everything. And I know that that might seem like kind of a duh. And it's something that we say to our kids all the time. All the time when my kids tell me that something is hard, I say, yep, and everything gets easier with practice. It's going to get easier and easier the more you do it. But sometimes what we teach our kids, we don't actually apply to ourselves. So I want you to remember that everything within your motherhood is going to get easier the more you do it. That applies to like the skills of mothering that get easier with time. But I think it's also true for emotional skills that come along with motherhood and emotional resilience. Um, something that I feel like has come up a lot in episodes is the concept of reframing. So when you have an experience that's maybe less than positive, reframe that experience and give it the meaning that you want to give it. And something that I like to think about is that literally everything is an opportunity to practice. So if I lose my temper with my kids, I can reframe that and say, well, I was just practicing my patience and I blew it on that one. And I am going to get the opportunity to practice that again in the next few minutes, and I'm going to do better this time. And so just remembering that even things like staying patient and not yelling at your kids, it gets easier with practice. And having these difficult conversations with your kids, I don't want to even say difficult, these conversations about maybe more serious adult topics, that will also get easier with practice. I remember when the first time that my son, Noah, asked me about how babies were made, he was a very, very inquisitive child. He still is. But like at three years old, he asked me that. And I was horrified. I, <laughs> I think I stumbled all over my words. I did not know what to say. I'm sure I was super awkward about it. And I could have walked away and said, I blew it. I just made that so awkward for us for the rest of our lives. But instead, I just thought, well, that was my first opportunity to practice and this is going to get easier. And it has, it has gotten so much easier. I think about that conversation that I had with Sally on that hike recently and how easy it was and how meaningful and fulfilling it was. That has come with years of practice, having those conversations in little small moments and simple ways. So you're going to get better at it. Maybe the first time that you try to talk to your kids about racism, you might walk away thinking, wow, I totally don't think I got that right. I simplified it too much. I feel like I made that awkward or I communicated the wrong thing to them where now they may have a totally wrong idea about the world. It's okay. You're just practicing. And as long as you continue to have conversations, you're going to get better at it and they're going to build layers of nuanced understanding of the topics. It's not like you have to sit down and nail it the first time that you have a conversation with them about something. You can always say to them a few days later, hey, remember the other day when we talked about this? I've been thinking more about it. And I wanted to add this to that discussion. And just allow yourself to be bad at stuff at first, including conversations, and to get better and better at it over time. This is also true for things like distance learning, as many of us are doing really hard new things this year. Give yourself grace and recognize I am new at this and it is going to get easier with practice. Reframe the mistakes. Say, yep, that today was kind of a bust. And tomorrow I'm going to be a little bit better than I was today. Another thing I want to add to this takeaway is that this has helped me a lot in my relationship with my husband as well to give him grace, to realize that he's practicing too. Sometimes I feel a little bit frustrated that I feel like my husband is not as patient with our kids as I am. But then I have to remember that my husband has had less opportunity to practice. I have primarily been a stay-at-home mom. I was completely a stay-at-home mom for the first years of my kids' lives. And then in the last few years now, I work part-time doing the podcast, but I'm still primarily a stay-at-home mom. I have so much opportunity to practice staying patient with them that my husband doesn't have. And so He hasn't developed these skills yet in the same way that I have. And so I need to give him grace when he is impatient with them instead of shaming him. Like my husband gets really down. He's like, oh, why did I, why am I so impatient with them? And I just need to remind him and say, because you're learning and you're practicing and you're going to get better at it. So maybe that's something for you to consider in your relationship with your parenting partner to give them grace and to give yourself grace as you guys are learning and practicing these parenting skills together. Before we head into our third takeaway, I want to pause for a moment to thank another one of our show's committed sponsors, the podcast for kids called Goodnight Stories for Rebel Girls. This is another one of my favorite tools for bringing up real and important conversations with my kids because each episode of Rebel Girls spotlights the life of a woman from history or current events who overcame incredible odds and trials in her life and defied gender discrimination within her field of study or her culture to pursue her dreams. And many of these episodes become springboards for important conversations about life with my kids, such as when my kids and I recently listened to the episode about Ashley Feilek, who is a deaf motocross athlete, and she also became the first woman ever to be sponsored as an American factory-level motocross rider. My kids had all sorts of questions about being deaf and accessibility and disability after we listened. We almost always look up the photo of the woman who is featured on the Rebel Girls episodes, and I love having these discussions with my kids about the importance of pushing through our hardships and disappointments in life to pursue our dreams. You can find Good Night Stories for Rebel Girls wherever you listen to podcasts, and I know the episodes will give you plenty of opportunities to practice having discussions with your kids about stuff that really matters in life. That's Good Night Stories for Rebel Girls, and it is one of our all-time favorites. My third pillar of meaningful motherhood is simple but not always easy, and that is apologize to your kids. One of my all-time favorite episodes of 3 and 30 that has definitely made a huge impact on my mothering is episode 30 with Georgia Anderson about how to be your children's emotion coach. I have two really strong-willed kids and using these strategies for emotion coaching, which were developed by John Gottman, has really helped me to teach my kids about their emotions. And it's helped me to make it so that we have fewer blow ups in our home. And one of the things that Georgia talked about in that episode or something that she kept saying was she kept saying well, you don't want to do this perfectly or you 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 wouldn't want this to be perfect, but here's this and that. And finally, I just straight up asked her, I said, why wouldn't I want it to be perfect? Why wouldn't I want to develop the skills to be able to do this perfectly as a parent? And her response has always stayed with me. She said, you don't want to be a perfect parent because the best way to build and strengthen relationships is through repairing them. She said, often, You never feel closer to someone than after you have a mishap in the relationship, there's a rend in the relationship, and then you come together and you repair it together. You never feel closer than after that repair happens. I don't think I had realized that before Georgia pointed it out, and it is completely backed by research, by John Gottman's research. But after she pointed it out, in the years since, I have noticed that over and over again. With my husband, with my kids, a lot of times after we have an argument or something goes wrong after we repair, I feel so close to them and grateful for them. I want to give you an example of when this happened to me recently in our home. If you follow me on Instagram, you may have already heard this story. I was hesitant to even share it on Instagram because I was afraid that the moms in the community might judge me. But in the end, it ended up being something that was really connective because I shared this experience. A lot of moms then shared their experiences, and it got all of us laughing about how ridiculous motherhood can be. So the other morning we were sitting down to try to do distance learning, which has been quite the adventure in our home. And as I mentioned, my kids are really strong-willed. So they were getting after each other and nipping at each other. And I kept trying to mediate it. And Noah kept trying to dominate Sally as she was getting her stuff together and opening her computer. And he wanted to tell her just how to do his schoolwork. And I was getting frustrated. And I finally just said, Noah, just focus on yourself. Like you don't you can't don't tell anybody else what to do except for yourself. And then of course he got sassy and he said, "Well then you just focus on yourself, mom, and you can't tell me what to do with schoolwork." And I was so mad. Like I felt the rage just flare through me and I was making him a peanut butter and jelly waffle, which he had requested like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, but we used Eggo waffles and I picked up the waffle that had jam all over it and I chucked it across the room hoping that it would hit him in the face with, (laughs) with the jam. And it missed and it splattered all over the floor and skittered. And then I had to try to maintain my dignity as I wiped up the jam and stomped upstairs. I was still so furious. And I laid on my bed and I took deep breaths. And then a few minutes later, I came downstairs. I was still mad, but I came downstairs and I sheepishly like made eye contact with Noah. He was sitting at the table trying to do his work. And I smiled. And then he ran over to me and wrapped his arms around me and said, mom, I am so sorry I was sassy. Will you forgive me? And I said, yes, if you'll forgive me for throwing a waffle with jam on it at you. And as soon as those words came out of my mouth, I started laughing hysterically because I realized how completely absurd it was that I had thrown a waffle at my child when I was mad at him. And I couldn't stop laughing. And then he started laughing and then Sally started laughing And this moment of anger has actually become something that has brought our family closer because we didn't, because we repaired it, because I apologized instead of just ignoring it or pretending that my anger was justified. I apologized and laughed about it. It has now become a running joke in our family that the kids love. So, like in the morning when I'm getting them up for school, so they go to school two days a week and then they're home three days a week. When I'm getting them up for school, I'll say things like, you better get your butts out of bed or I'm gonna go I'm gonna grab my ego waffles. And sometimes when we have a heated moment where I can feel like the anger rising, I'll say, Hey, you better watch it or I'm gonna grab my waffles. And it has just become this I mean, it's it's going to be a family legend, I am quite certain, the time that mom threw the jam waffle and then had to wipe it all up herself while trying to remain mad. But it's also made it something that we can laugh about that diffuses anger. The repair made our relationship closer because I was willing to apologize. And I have seen that over and over and over throughout my motherhood, the last few years, ever since learning about the importance of repair. You know, I've invited all of you to share your three takeaways this month as part of the My 3 and 30, the birthday celebration. And one of my community members on Instagram whose name is Lauren Skinner, she shared three takeaways this week about how to apologize to your children and I thought they were absolutely beautiful. And so I am going to read them to you now with her permission so that we can all get a little better at this third pillar of meaningful motherhood, apologizing to our kids. So this is what Lauren wrote and her handle on Instagram is heart of confetti. Again, I will link it. The show notes, but she wrote, I am a human being who makes mistakes every day, so here are my three and thirty takeaways for giving a meaningful and healing apology to your kids. First, playfully connect. We don't have to have some serious, sad sit down to show our remorse. Play is the language children speak best, and apologizing can be enjoyable. Snuggle, color, build with Legos, do a craft, rub lotion on each other, swing, walk, go for a drive, run an errand together. Don't overthink it or make it weird. Find something your child enjoys that allows you to have a normal and natural conversation while you apologize. We can teach our kids that admitting we were wrong is a normal part of life and can help us feel more connected to each other. Second, be honest about what you did. Don't try to justify or rationalize or turn it around on them. Kids think they are the reason for everything that happens to them. So it's important in healing to help them understand our loss of control is not their fault. Lay out the exact facts without attaching meaning or blame. Remember this morning when I raised my voice at you for not picking up the toys on the rug? I'm sorry. Or I promised you I would pick you up at 3 p.m. and I was 11 minutes late. Will you forgive me? Keep it simple and be accurate. Being honest with ourselves and our kids builds trust and understanding. Sticking to the facts gives a neutral foundation that limits defensiveness. And third, validate their experience and commit to do better. I yelled, that was wrong, and I'm sorry. I bet that was scary for you. I should have used my words. I was feeling worried I couldn't find my keys, and when I tripped on the toys, I felt mad. I yelled at you because I was mad about the keys, but that wasn't your fault. I should have taken a few deep breaths and calmed down before I spoke to you. I promise to do better at using my words. Use appropriate language for their age and development, but don't shy away from apologizing to a baby. The more we practice, the easier it gets ding, ding, ding. That was my second takeaway today. By sharing our story and explaining how we will change, we can foster empathy, develop mutual respect, and empower our children with the skills to maintain relationships with love. I love those takeaways from Lauren. I have learned so much from reading your takeaways this past week, and we still have three more weeks to go. So please continue to share those on social media or email them to me. Facebook, share them within your circle of friends. You can even host a gathering of takeaways either on Zoom or in person where you share your takeaways with each other, with your group. And I know you will learn so much from each other. So that is the third pillar of meaningful motherhood. Just apologize when you get it wrong and remember that nothing builds relationships like repair does. So my friends, that's it. Those are my three themes that I have seen emerging from three years of hosting 3 and 30 that I found that as I incorporate them into my life, I feel so much more fulfilled as a mom. I feel like I am progressing even though I am not getting it perfect. And these three takeaways don't have anything to do with like extra stuff you have to do in your motherhood, which is a relief, isn't it? in order to create more meaning in your motherhood, you don't have to go above and beyond and get on Pinterest and do all the activities and be perfect. All you have to do is these three simple things as a starting place. First, talk to your kids, talk to them often and about everything, especially those hard or tricky topics. Just start by defining what it is, giving them a little bit of context about where they might see it or hear about it in the world and then teaching them your values, including an emphasis on love. And remember not to have one-time conversations, but to have small conversations often to give your kids layers of understanding of nuanced topics. Second, everything gets easier with practice. Give yourself grace, give your partner grace, give your kids grace, and reframe every mistake as just another opportunity to practice and get better. And third and finally, apologize to your kids. When you make mistakes, when you yell, don't blame it on them. Just come clean and tell them I lost my temper. I'm sorry that was wrong. And remember that those moments can actually strengthen your relationships in ways that you wouldn't have gained if you had never messed up. So making mistakes is okay. You're going to get better with time. Just apologize to your kids. Thank you so much for caring enough to celebrate the third birthday of 3 and 30 with me. Don't forget to share your own three takeaways, to check out Infancy and Goodnight Stories for Rebel Girls, two sponsors who have consistently shown up for this podcast this year, and I'm so grateful for them. And I hope that you have a beautiful week with your family.